Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. My name is Steve Waite. I'm the CEO of the Business Centre and also a Business Connect business advisor. The Business Connect program is a dedicated program funded by the New South Wales Government and delivered through a network of independent service providers to help you start or grow your small business. So whether you're a business that's been able to remain open or you've had to close or slow down or change your operation in some way, we'll hopefully give you some insights today that will let you consider some strategies and tools on how to approach marketing within the context of this current crisis or business disruption. So some of the areas we're going to discuss with our expert guests are what should you actually do about marketing now and how do you make sure you do the right thing? Uh, perhaps it's time to be loud. Uh, should I review what my competitors are doing? Does this disruption happen in the same way for everyone? How do I really know who my customer is? And everything has changed, but everything has stayed the same. So I'm about to introduce Jared, and I guess I've sort of summarised these questions that we're going to cover today and talk about as the, the doing the right thing question, the Harvey Norman one, don't get Amazon, the Nike question and the Bunnings one about whether you, you, know, you get a, a victor or, a, or a, you know, a mascot mower. So that's the sort of encapsulating what we're trying to do. So all the areas that we're going to hi highlight today uh, about the importance of foreseeing uh, how you can best communicate your value in an ongoing and authentic way in this period of volatility um, that has created both a crisis and an opportunity at the same time. So to our guest speaker, jared has been doing advertising and business strategy for a dozen or so years. He has a unique take on marketing and advertising, originally being trained and qualified as a mathematician. He likes finding simple solutions to complex problems. Jared describes himself as an inventive but honest uh, thinker, helping brands become famous for being interesting. Today, Jared is going to help small business owners take us on uh, an immersive journey how small businesses can market in the era of business disruption caused on this occasion by COVID-19. But given what we know about a world that we live in now, disruption is almost a thing that is a constant. And so being able to adapt to disruption is just an important uh, key asset of a business to be able to do. Yeah, First question we always ask though All is, right. why my goodness, how has this been for you in your life, in your business, in your work? What's it been like? Yeah, I think for me, like everyone, it's been, you know, uh, in, my, in my time on this planet, we've never had to deal with anything of this sort of scale at, yep. at, at one point that's affected. Yep. You know, I don't think anything, I can't think of anything that has affected everyone mm -hmm. since the moon landing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? okay. Um, that everyone's yeah. sort of been watching the same, same bit of news. Now, obviously, there have been things in between, but to this scale, you know. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, for, for us, and I think, Probably just to sort of preface this chat as well, I think it's useful, you know, to, to think about this point of time that we are mm -hmm. in this phase. I think if we'd had this conversation two, three months ago, it would have been a very different outcome. Yes. We would have been talking about very different things. And, yes. you know, so we're talking here about, you know, I'm kind of, and sort of our business, Enigma, and how we're working with our clients, we're very much forward focused mm -hmm. and looking optimistically about how we all start coming out of this rather than how we deal with the yeah. with the, the, the throes of it. Of it when yeah, it was you know, so us. obviously yeah. for our business, you know, we're we're reliant heavily on consumer and business confidence. If mm -hmm. if, if those two things drop then, you know, people you, you know, people mm -hmm. are less willing to 
to put their name out in the market. So, um, and we'll talk about that later, whether or not that's the right thing to do. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, so it was difficult for us. You know, we had, you know, we, we were on, you know, reduced time, and but we're we're, we're as a business mm -hmm. doing, as I said, sort of coming out of it now and yeah. looking positive. Lisa, our our boss, yeah. is um, always very optimistic about things. Mm. These things when it sort of first started getting very serious. Mm. You know, she was like, look, this isn't the first downturn I've been through. And, yes. you know, we always come through and we're going to come through We've this. And that before. was the attitude she took in. And We are all in this together. And no, yeah. no more can that be true than now that a supplier is connected to a customer, to a business and so on. So we, we are all in this together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, but I mean, also for us, we've found some positives like a lot of businesses that we've worked with in terms of, you know, it's sort of speeded up our adoption mm -hmm. of some digital technologies. And in simple things like video conferencing, mm. we've got an office in Sydney as well. And so we should have probably before this been a lot better and, yes. and using that, you know, we spent a lot of time on the freeway, yep. which isn't great for a you know, carbon footprint apart from anything else. Yeah. Um, and so I think we'll sort of be a little bit more reliant and a bit more comfortable with those sorts of technologies. So, um, okay. but yeah, I think, I think it, we kind of as a business are feeling a bit more optimistic at this point in time. If we were sitting in Victoria right now, mm. I think it'd be a different story. And you make some so, good insights into that in, yeah. in, in here as, as using almost Victoria as a benchmark, as a place to connect. But let's let's get into it. And so the, the first uh, question I guess that we're going to ad address, and there's a couple of, of charts to put in here. And then the second part of this question, we've got a video that you've put together for us that we'd like we to do. show as well. But there's a couple of charts here on, uh, from Deloitte in, in regards to a millennial versus Gen Z survey. And then another chart based on historical statistical data around recessions and how businesses mm. uh, respond uh, in regard to uh, spending on advertising and on um, marketing. But first of all, let's get to this question. And thanks so much for your insights that we've had before this and some of the reading you gave me yeah, to no be able to, to, for us to bring you here today. So. What should small businesses actually do about marketing now and how do you make sure that you do the right thing? I think, and I think it's a really reasonable question and something that a lot of large and small businesses have grappled with. And I think there is a fear that while everyone's dealing with this and the, the very dire consequences, is it, is it crass mm -hmm. <laughs> to be out in the market and to start talking yeah. about things? And, and has the right thing, has, has what the right thing is changed and things like that. Mm -hmm. My point of view is twofold, but, but, but firstly, I, I think it's important to sort of go back and say, what's the right thing to do now? Mm -hmm. And I think the question is, has the right thing changed? Yeah. So Deloitte do an annual global survey of millennials and Jed Z. And I don't want to get into millennials and Gen Z and whether that means anything, but it's it's a useful um, sort of benchmark. And I think they ask the question, you know, they, there's, there's a series of questions here. And, and basically, you know, the general thrust of it is, has COVID-19 changed your attitude towards this, whether you're more, you know, um, more community minded, whether all, all these sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. Now, it's easy to look at that and go, oh, well, COVID's made everyone, you know, all these very positive changes in people's attitudes towards, you know, things like community and how important that is. Yeah. But the statements in there, there's nothing in there, I think, that anyone would have argued against before. I don't think mm. anyone would, you know, I sort of joked just before this, mm. but you could ask that question about has your football team winning the grand final made you more community minded? And people would say, yes, it has, mm. and all these sorts of things. So. Mm. I don't think, I don't think 
you know, in answering that question, what's the right thing to do mm -hmm. now? Yeah. I don't think the right thing to do has changed. I think yes. maybe it's a little bit more amplified. Yeah. And I think the only thing is that maybe businesses in the past could get away with doing the wrong thing a bit more. Mm. I just don't think you can get away with that. And so mm. my kind of point is, is all of those things in that Deloitte chart, if you're, if you're not doing those now or if you weren't doing those, then, mm. then I, I, can't, mm. you know, I can't really help you. And yeah. I think it's, you know, it's just... It's not a matter of, I need to start doing the right thing now. It's you should have so always there's, been doing it. So essentially, there are certain fundamental values and behaviours that you don't need to, through marketing or advertising, to reinforce. Because if you weren't doing the right thing before, yeah. you certainly probably wouldn't be doing the right thing now. So you don't need to go out of your way especially to emphasise that in no. marketing and advertising. Yeah, absolutely not. No, And, and I think, you know, especially maybe if, if we'd have had this conversation, as I said, yeah. four months ago, mm -hmm. I might have had a different opinion, but mm -hmm. coming out of it as we are, and I think people starting okay. to think more about returning to normal. So you gave me some research to look at, some economic research that took a deep dive into the effectiveness of advertising or not, ad not advertising in, in uh, comparison to the economic cycle, yes. et cetera. So will we put that chart up and then yeah, you can talk to that? Yeah. So I think there's, there's, two, there's two parts to that question, you know, is, mm -hmm. is advertising now the right thing to do yeah. from a moral and ethical point of view? And, mm -hmm. and I think it is. But also from an economic point of view, I think, you know, whenever there's a, a, re a recession or a global downturn, mm -hmm. people, there is, a, there is a surface level common sense approach that says, well, if there's less money in the market, if mm -hmm. there's less consumer confidence, if mm -hmm. there's less disposable income, mm -hmm. then advertising now is a waste of money because I'm advertising to people who can't buy. Mm -hmm. And on one level, that makes sense. And also, from an economic perspective for the business, you know, as revenues get you know, clamped down and, and margins erode during those periods for the business itself, mm -hmm. there's less money to spend on marketing. And, and sometimes at the best of times, marketing can be seen by a lot of businesses as a, as a luxury. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, well, we're in a recession now or if we're in an economic downturn now, let's just turn off the marketing because there's no point mm. because there's no one to buy. Because that's the orthodox view, isn't it, that, that it seems is. to pervade. And However, so the research tells us there is. something so, else. Yeah. As mercantile as this sounds, mm. recessions and downturns are fantastic times to mm. grow market share dramatically yes. because of that orthodox view. Yes. I'm going to reduce my spend. Um, and so if you increase your spend during those times, if, if you're lucky enough to be able to afford to or, mm. or if you can find a way to, yeah. and you should find a way to, I mean, mm. as self-serving as that sounds for me as an mm. admin, mm. but what happens there is as everyone else's spend comes down and yours goes up, your share of voice grows dramatically. And Which there is a key is, term we need to keep in mind, this share of voice. Yeah, so yeah. we'll come back to that and, yeah. and the link between share of voice and share of market as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so even without understanding you know, without getting too bogged down in the mechanisms of how, there is very clear data. The, the research trend. you had me read yep. definitely in a number of papers overall demonstrates that sometimes by a factor of six, two years, three years post mm. the recession or the economic downturn, if you invest in advertising, and we're going to get to sort of the one of the other outcomes about, about loudness, yeah. if, you, if you invest, then you are far likely to be in a better position. And this, isn't, this is uh, empirical research. Uh, not, not uh, you know, a, a messaging exercise from a no, marketing association. Not. Of it's course, yeah, research. yeah, yeah. It's, 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 and I think, you know, because during recessions, there is pent up 
demand for mm -hmm. these services and that money has to go yeah. somewhere you yes. know and that pent-up demand afterwards and where it's going to go is in the companies that yeah. people can remember still existing yes let's talk all things small business for some practical advice and direction dm us on facebook or instagram at the business center this is maybe perhaps the time to be loud and you use as an example of that as a, a, an example, I guess, a case study of Harvey Norman. How loud is that? <laughs> They're yeah. loud in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. um, they're loud in a sledgehammering sort of way. And, yeah. and, and, you know, Harvey Norman can afford to run a very bland, very annoying ad in mm. every single ad break in the footy yeah. and get their message out yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, that has proven to be an okay strategy for Harvey Norman. I don't think it's the best one they could have employed, but it's working for them and mm -hmm. will continue to work purely by spending a huge amount of money on yeah. media. Yeah. The small businesses that, that you know, you're working with and we're, we're talking about today mm -hmm. absolutely can't afford that. And yeah. so what they have to do, it's, it's you know, how do they, you yeah. know, if you've got a tenth of the media spend, mm then what you do with that tenth has to be ten times what I call louder. And, yeah. and loud doesn't, it's not just a volume so thing. So you talk here about, you know, louder because the world is even noisier. Yeah. Companies compete with other companies for categories. So, you know, as you say, an accountant shouldn't just advertise with other accountants in mind because um, you talk here about there's other categories of advertising like the footy, the bachelor, the kids, Instagram. So you've yeah. got to be clear. Absolutely. And that's a distinction I always like to make is, you know, businesses get bogged down when they think about their competition for their advertising and they go, oh, what's the market doing? So what are the other accountants doing? What are the other butchers mm. doing? Mm. What are... And that's great from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, other businesses in your category are your competition, but from an advertising or marketing perspective, yes. your competition is the things that people are actually interested in and <laughs> the yes. things that you said, you know, with Bachelor or, or yeah, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Um, and that's what you're competing with and you've got to be able to cut through that. So you, the most important thing you can do in marketing is be noticed, mm. you know? Mm. So, mm. and that's, that seems pretty clear, but there is really clear sort of empirical evidence on that as well. So there's a group in the UK um, called the IPA. It's a different IPA to ours. They're the mm. Institute of Practicing Advertisers. Yeah. And they have access to, to databases of thousands and thousands of campaigns um, over decades mm. and two guys peter field and les Burnett, did you know an analysis across it, looking at all of those campaigns mm -hmm. and the effectiveness of them yeah. and when we say effectiveness we mean things that are driving proper business metrics sales profit growth mm -hmm. you know margin growth mm -hmm. um so it's not soft sort of metrics like no. awareness or no. you know facebook impressions or anything like this it's yeah. hard business metrics yeah. and what they found above and beyond the most effective strategy mm -hmm. was campaigns that created fame. And what we mean by fame is, when talking about small businesses, I, I don't like to use your sort of classic examples of a Coke ad or something like that, yeah. because they're, they're big the businesses. Or Gorilla. Yeah. But I think there's, there's other places that we can learn from, and mm -hmm. it's things like, if you think about fame, right, and talking about being loud, mm -hmm. if I said, name a piano player, mm -hmm you're far more likely to say Elton John or Liberace mm -hmm. than some amazingly far more technically proficient, mm. classically trained pianist who yeah. I can't even think of. Yeah. 
because of the stupid glasses and the big hair and the, the outfits and things like that, because they knew a part of driving their business, because musicians are businesses, driving their business forward is being known, being remembered, being outrageous and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, that, that is for me, whether it's COVID or not, and I think especially in COVID because the world is so much more noisier now, mm. looking across, you know, thousands of case studies. Yeah. There is a very, very clear relationship between your share of voice and your share of market. Mm -hmm. And the basic rule of thumb is mm. if you want to grow your business and, and who doesn't, mm. your share of voice, how much, how visible you are in the market compared to, to the competitors has to be above your mm. share of market. So if you've mm. got 10% share of market, mm -hmm. if your share of voice is 5%, mm. Chances are your business is going to shrink, but if your share of voice is 15%, mm. then you're going to grow. So this is the more sophisticated understanding uh, and, and knowledge that you're sharing with us mm. about being loud. Not being loud by doing the wrong thing or being so, crass, but cutting through. Yeah, it's, of course. You know, so I think if you come back to that Harvey Norman mm -hmm. example, because it's really good, yeah. they grow their business by spending an extraordinary amount of money mm -hmm of in their share of voice above their share of market. And they can afford to, to do that. Yeah. Most of us can't. No. And so within that research, there's some really clear indications of what drives. So once you, once you understand this relationship between share of voice and share of market, mm -hmm. they then introduce this term which they call excess share of voice. So if, again, if your share of uh, market is 10%, your share of voice is 15%, mm -hmm. the difference there is five, your excess share of voice is five. Mm -hmm. But not all excess share of voices are created equal. Right. So they, they, they then looked at what are the driving factors that drive what they call efficiency in that excess share of voice. So how do you make that share of voice work harder? Mm -hmm. And there's a really clear indication that they looked at, you know, all of the, the, their case studies, they said, these are the campaigns that weren't creatively awarded. So within yeah. advertising, we have like, yeah. It's our version of the Oscars or whatever you yeah. want to call it. It's yeah. a bit self-serving, but yeah. um, the, 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 the campaigns that weren't creatively awarded, their share of voice efficiency is less than half a percent. It's like 0.2 of a percent. Mm. When you compare that to the campaigns that were highly creatively awarded, so were recognised by the industry as being highly creative, mm. which is what I call, you know, loud, you mm. know, memorable, yeah. engaging, interesting, yeah. the kind of things that in the olden days you'd, stand around a water cooler saying, did you see that mm. Yellow Pages ad? Yeah. Or Ronda and Couture, all these sorts yeah, of yeah. classics of the genre. Yeah. So not creatively awarded, that share of voice efficiency is less than a percent, point two. Mm. When you look at the highly created awards, it's, it's you know, a factor of three. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's sort of like 11 times highly creative, I think the number is highly creative, creatively awarded campaigns are 11 times more efficient. Yeah in that so when, when we share. when we take that principle that that learning back to small businesses yep. it, it just it what does it mean i think where where you you look at is you have to then re-look at what you do with with digital and social media and you, even your website traditionally we look at those channels because they were sort of sold into the industry and there is a huge amount of data and the mm. targeting mm. that you can achieve and you can get to mm. you know we're, we're told you know you can target yeah. Six buyers who are in, in the a, market in already looking age, into your gender. thing. Yeah. But what people sort of forget with those channels is they are, if used to engage people, mm. to 
I'll say to entertain people, mm. they can be tremendous brand building channels. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the, again, you know, what brands are doing that well, it's, I wouldn't really look at how brands are using social media to do that because they're not generally doing it well. The mm. people who are using social media mm. to create big brands and to create fame mm. and interest and engage a, a large audience are teenagers mm. who want to become famous on TikTok or right. who want to become a famous YouTuber. So what are the elements that, that are making them successful? You, you, you gave me some insights to that. What is yeah. it that they're doing? What they do really well compared to businesses. So a way a business, a large business might approach creating a, let's just say a YouTube video. Yeah. A large business will spend six months mm -hmm. doing a whole lot of work, spending a whole heap of money. Big campaign, real strategic. Yeah. You know, pontificating, going back and forth, having 16 layers of approval that has mm -hmm. to go up to the board mm -hmm. to make sure that we do the right thing. And then what you end up is this you know, this, this idea by consensus that's had 50,000 people approve it, mm. that we all agree this is the right thing. And when 50,000 people, I'm mm. exaggerating, but when, mm. when, you know, when 10 mm. people agree on what the right thing is, mm. it, it's had every single edge knocked off it and it's right. not that interesting. Okay. In the six months that they've decided to shoot this one video and put up on YouTube, mm. a teenager has shot 30 quick mm. videos they've thrown a heap of mud at the wall to see what sticks mm. and they've just sort of gone with it. Now, that seems like a really dangerous mm. strategy. Mm. Um, but what these kids do really, I say kids like yeah. I'm an old man, but yeah. what, what people who are trying to build a presence on social media and doing it well do really well mm. is they trial a heap of things, but they don't just shoot a shotgun at it. Mm. They're actually really strategic in the way they look at what does and doesn't work for mm. them and how they, find their voice over time mm. in that. And what they do really well is immediately once they post something, they're looking at the metrics straight away. Wow. And they're making a decision on whether or not this has worked within hours. Yeah. And you will often find wow. that they'll post content. Yeah. If it hasn't taken off within a couple of hours, they'll just pull it down. I'll pull it down. Pull yeah. it down. Because what you find is, and you see this even if um, people are trying to build a Twitter profile. Yeah you'll see someone will have a one tweet and it's got 50,000 retweets. And you go, wow, that's really funny. Mm. And then you look at their Twitter and the next 10 tweets are rubbish, mm. right? Mm. But if they deleted those 10 and only kept the really killer ones, yeah. you're gonna follow them. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, so no, you I go, yeah, great tweet, yeah. look at the rest of them, the rest aren't good, I'm not gonna follow them. Yeah. Great tweet, it's all killer content, yeah. delete the bad stuff. Wow. And, and what you do, through that is you sort of start to gradually identify what your voice is and you are you know it's about finding a strategy through doing yeah. rather than yeah. you know overthinking it do you have a business idea but you're not sure it'll work we have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscenter.com.au. Sandra said, I see a lot of amazing businesses do good work for people, genuine work, but they struggle to share their stories. When I ask them why, it's often due to capacity within their small business. What tips or hacks do you have for them, Jared? Yeah, getting that message out. It, it's, it's a bit a, like what you've just been talking about. By it's, a fine, it's a fine line between yeah. anything that you do mm -hmm. and actually create mm -hmm. has more impact than anything that you put off because it wasn't perfect. Wow. 
Yeah, good insight. Yeah. So, mm. you know, I think there's often a fear that if this isn't, you know, if we're producing a video to put on, mm. on, on Facebook or mm. and whatever, you know, if I don't have a good enough camera or mm. if I don't have or everything that goes in with that. Yeah. If I can't do it perfectly, if it's not going to look professional, mm. then it's not worth trying. And I think, you know, I, I, up to a point, you know, I think what's really been interesting, and if you look at sort of, um, you know, trends in, in terms of content production and how this sort of looks, mm. one of the things about COVID, we're so used now to seeing people on their on screens yes. through Zoom with terrible yes. lighting yes. <laughs> and 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 pixelated things and a lot of you know really big businesses have used that style of footage and and have how now had to adapt in how they produce content themselves. So mm-hmm. I think if you know I, I've been looking at a lot of content that's coming out of sports brands in mm-hmm. uh, the US, so NFL teams and things mm-hmm. like this, and all they do is they just say to their players just do a tour of your house on your on your iphone and and send it in and people are interesting there's two things you know that a people are more tolerant of lower production values you Mm -hmm. know consumers but i think it also adds a layer you know for small businesses of layer of authenticity Mm. you know i don't really like the word authenticity but Mm. i think intimacy you know it feels sometimes like you're being more genuine and bringing people people in in a bit so i think you know i mean this it seems like sort of glib advice but you know Let's get to another question. Yeah. Okay, so Simone asks, where can I find information based in Australia on changing trends around consumption of media? So changing trends on consumption media, it's, you know, as an agency, we have access to a lot of tools that, that cost quite a bit of money. I think mm. one of the, um, the, there's some good resources in there is, now I can never remember the acronyms of the names of things, but uh, we, we can put some links. We'll up. put it in the footer. Yeah. So, you know, one really good source, um, kind of, I talked about the, the IPA in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a similar organisation in Australia is ADMA, which mm-hmm. is, a, oh, they've changed what it stood for. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't remember, but AD, ADMA, yep. um, a good organisation. Yep. Yep. Um, IAG mm-hmm. is another organisation um, more in the the digital space to mm-hmm. understand trends there and consumption behaviours there. Yeah. Natalie asks, is radio advertising still relevant from your experience, yeah. you guys? In yeah. what way? Tell Look, us. I think, so Enigma, we, we're a full service agency, so we have media in-house. So we have a media, media booking agency yeah. um, as part of us. And they were the ones who probably, you know, across the, our different portfolios um, mm. in our business, they were the ones who probably sort of were hit the hardest during mm. during COVID because that mm. media spend was reduced because, yeah. you know, out of home yeah. was difficult um, yeah. because people yeah. weren't out of home, literally went out of home. Yeah. And, and radio as well was a big thing because the majority of radio is listened to in the car. Right? In and the if car. you're not driving yeah. to work. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, you know, certainly in, in, in regional areas, you know, outside of Sydney. Mm. Um, but I mean, the commute's still huge in Sydney. Mm. Um, for everyone, you know, the population of Western Sydney. So radio is still, mm. you know, and if you look at, uh, and I'll, I'll, I can, off the top of my head, I don't have them, but there is some, mm. some resources I can share around the effectiveness of different um, media so, channels. And radio and those yeah. traditional channels, radio, yeah. TV, print, we went through this phase of because digital and the yeah. TV's dead and no one yeah. watches, Netflix, we all have Netflix and no one watches TV anymore. The, the numbers on those traditional channels and how much, 
traffic they get is still, still quite solid. huge tell and me, they are more effective. Tell me about, because uh, increasingly I've been a long time consumer of podcasts and I've mm -hmm. noticed increasingly the encroachment <laughs> of advertising into that space. What, what's your, you guys, your experience of that? And in fact, podcasts that I listen to that are international, I'm noticing now, I'm getting very localised ad content coming through the feed for me that's specific to the yeah. technicalities of mm. that side of things is yeah. outside my area of expertise. How, how but that are happens. you getting that type of request or is that coming towards you now? Yeah, we're increasingly hearing about yeah. two two things on podcasts mm. is, you know, A, you're just placing advertising within them, mm. but also developing them. Um, mm. So brands thinking about yeah. what we can do. So, you know, if you're thinking about, mm. um, you know, if you're an accountant, is there a way of creating a longer form, engaging, mm. you know, piece of content around podcasts mm. that isn't just talking strictly about money, yeah. but makes sense for an accountant to be talking about, but is still entertaining? Yeah. Um, so we're okay. seeing those sorts Two of requests parts. coming through as well. All right, let's move along to our uh, next question. This is the question I call the, the don't get Amazon question. But okay. this question is, should I review what my competitors are oh, doing? Yeah. Does this disruption happen in the same way for everyone? And you said you're a bit shocked here about some naivety of businesses. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't want to sound critical, no. um, but you know, when you work in advertising, you you you're constantly introduced to to working in new categories. Mm. Um, you know, so different um, types of businesses. Yeah. And often, you know, as part of our process, you yep. know, we'll come in if we're developing a new brand or a, or a advertising campaign or a yep. you know business strategy whatever it might be for them part of that process is for us to do a competitive review mm. now, I always feel a little bit nervous coming back to present this to clients because I think I've never worked in this category before if it's something that I've not no. worked in before yeah I always think you know I'm gonna come back after googling this stuff for a few days mm. or a week and I'm gonna present and I feel a little bit uh, nervous because I'm assuming that the business is going to go, yeah, tell me something I, I don't know. Mm. But what I'm often shocked is that, you know, I'll have a, you know, and this isn't, this sounds no, no. like a brag, but no. that, you know, someone like me will have a, develop a better understanding of what's happening in the competitor space from a, not just in advertising, but from a product point of view, from a innovation point of view, mm -hmm. and from a service delivery mm. of the competitive space. And I'm often shocked to present a competitive review when the client mm. go, oh, wow, we didn't know that, mm. you know? And, mm. and so I think, you know, in terms of looking at your, your competitors, mm. I think there's really clear insight in that, that we don't do enough. And I understand, you mm. know, people working in and running small businesses, it is hectic. There's a lot on their shoulders, yeah. But, you know, at the best of times, yeah, there's a lot on your shoulders. And yeah. I think we'll, we'll get to that. The yeah. idea that, you feel as a small business owner the, world, the weight of the world on your shoulders and yeah. that everything's up to you and you have mm. to solve everything. Mm. But you can relieve a lot of that weight mm. by taking a day, two days, mm. every quarter mm. to just lift your head up and look at what the, comp what the competition's doing because mm. you may find through that that mm. someone has already solved. You, mm. You, mm. you will find that someone mm. has probably already solved because mm. the, across a category, everyone has the same problems mm. and everyone's trying to solve them. Mm. And so take some time to see if someone already has. Yeah. And, you know, and, and not just look in the local market, mm. you know, look. Well, I love this insight that you, you, we spoke to here where you, you, you speak to particularly relevant to New South Wales businesses who, who are the consumers of this. Yeah. Um, that the stage two 
situation or phase four, whatever it is in Victoria, is a place to see innovation in action and adaption. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think one of the really positives that's happened in the small business world mm. from, from COVID mm. is people have very rapidly realised that the success of every small business depends on the success of every other small business in that market. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the other day mm -hmm. as an example, mm -hmm. you know, when, when restaurants were closed. Mm -hmm. And a few of them very quickly went, let's switch to takeaway. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, if only one restaurant in town mm. had switched to takeaway, mm -hmm. it wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked for them because no yeah. one would have wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have created that yeah. culture and that yeah. change in behaviour in the consumer space yeah. of getting takeaway from yeah. like a really fancy restaurant, for example. Yeah, yeah obviously Macca's, but you know, yeah. like a really high end. Like um, Nagisa started doing takeaway, like yeah. really great, like amazing takeaway, right? And we yeah. started getting it, but yeah. if only one place had done it, the culture wouldn't take it on. It needs every cafe in yeah. town yeah. to adopt that, that service delivery so that people get used to it as, a, as an idea and yeah. as a behaviour change. And so it's in their best... Whoever came, comes up with an idea first yeah. in this environment, it's in their best interests to tell everyone, yeah. hey, we should all do this and yeah. change because we, we're, we're talking about dramatic... You know, this period of, uh, of time with, with COVID and, and what happens with how variable lockdown restrictions... And, and we have saw in Victoria with Wave 2 how quickly that can mm. come back and clamp down mm. and how rapidly everyone in a, in a, in a category needs to mobilise to mm. change mass behaviour so, so it is a time potentially for like industries to collaborate, to come up with cooperative solutions to a Absolutely. problem that we're all experiencing. Yeah, so. and I think you're seeing, you know... I think, you know, one of the things as a positive, you know, if you see someone mm. who is doing something that don't be afraid to reach out and contact mm. them directly. I mm. think there's a fear that, mm. you know, if you see someone doing something that if you if you say, oh, you know, I'm going to copy that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how, how did you guys go yeah. about that? They'll say, rack off, that's my idea. Yeah. I think, you know, people from having gone through this shared experience are realising yeah. that we all want to create a culture in small business where we help each other. And I yeah. think, yeah. you know, and this is the whole Amazon thing. Yes. So tell me more about small, that. Before COVID, small mm. businesses were under such increasing pressure from these conglomerates like Amazon, mm. sort of eating their lunch and mm. Costco and all these big mm. box stores and Bunnings. And you mm. saw what Bunnings did to mm. your, you know, yeah. local hardware store. Yeah. And I think, you know, businesses need to be a little bit more collaborative and collegiate, you know, in sharing their ideas mm. and in helping other businesses in your category grow. Mm. Because if, if, you know, one small business can't survive mm. against Amazon, no. but all of, the, all of them can, mm. you know, mm. and I think, you know, there is some really positive data and you saw that in the Deloitte stuff. Yeah. But there is a trend of people wanting to come back to thinking about spending more locally and yeah. being a little bit more conscious about where their money goes. And, yeah. you know, I think especially as you get outside of major cities and, and into places where we are, you know, in Newey and, mm. um, and you know, Orange, yeah. everyone knows someone who works for or runs a small business. Mm. And so you've, you, I think more than ever, you sort of are confronted with how difficult that mm. is and how... Mm. Mm on the edge a lot of small businesses are, and so we, we, we want to help them out. Create your own Big Bang and see your business idea come to life. 
Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code BIGBANG to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. Okay, let's move to what, what I've called the Nike question. Um, and and okay. you know, the, 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 you know, Nike is a brand for athletes. Is how, and, and the question is around how do I, and this is a really intriguing one, then we'll get on to your tips. But for me then on this question, how do I really know who my customer is? And you talk here about two separate ways of looking at your audience and you know, brand level being being one and then yeah. the second level, the marketing level. Tell me more about that. I think, uh, you know, that's a really, a question that we get asked a lot and we spend a lot of time mm-hmm. thinking about as an agency and, and, and who are we speaking to? Because when you look at a lot of advertising, when you look at a lot of bad advertising, they're mm. not speaking to, mm. they're speaking to the, their mm. board mm. <laughs> generally. They're mm. not speaking to their customer or, or trying to. Yeah. But within that, there's a bit of nuance and you know, I think we've, we're finding lately talking a lot about there's, there has to be two, there's horses for courses in how you look at your audience and there's two really different ways. Mm-hmm. There's one, as you said, that I call mm-hmm. like the brand level. Yeah. Um, so when you're, if you're doing sort of, sort of more branding work, mm-hmm. whether it's creating some, you know, like, you know, you're not just selling a specific product, you're telling the world who you are and what you're about and what your point of view is, yep. you know, whether you're designing your, your website or, mm. you know, doing your logo redesign, those sorts of activities. Yep. You have to look at your audience from the perspective of what do they have in common? Yep. So I think a lot of people like to, you know, think that, you know, my customers are all females, yep. 21 to 25. Yep. That's rarely the case. Yep. And you know, and I'm not talking about those sorts of commonalities. I'm thinking about things that they believe, things that they value, things that they find interesting, mm. things that they speak to. I think, you know, mm. I've used Nike here as an example mm-hmm. because they understand that very clearly in their brand. Mm. And they understand that everyone who wears anything, like I'm mm. wearing one today, yeah. not that I look at it at the moment, but <laughs> everyone who wears a Nike logo they're doing that because they want to feel inspired. They mm. want to feel mm. athletic. I feel mm. if this was a, a, a not, a, I wouldn't feel the same, yeah. you know, yeah. um, spring in your step, all that sort of jazz. Mm. And so Nike understand that mm. at the core of Nike's brand is the idea that their brand is people looking for some inspiration mm-hmm. around athleticism. Right. And that's their brand idea. You know, right. fa- high-end fashion brands do it really well. You know, if you look at a brand like Celine, or it's like the Celine woman is confident mm-hmm. and sure of herself, mm-hmm. and they design clothes for that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very succinct. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other level, which I call like the marketing level of understanding your customers, and that's mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. So rather than what they all have in common and what unites them and what they can all rally behind and you know and, and drive, mm-hmm. you know, a single-minded engagement with your brand. The marketing level is when you start thinking more about messages and what do we do on LinkedIn versus what we do on Twitter or mm-hmm. what we do on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And that is getting more into what those people have, what makes those different groups different. And when I say different groups, mm-hmm. again, it's not, you know, um, you know, ages, what, 
what do our female buyers versus our male buyers? Well, I like buyers. the way you put it here. You say, yeah. this is never that what generation they are. Every Nike buyer wants to be athletic and inspired, but this means something different to a golfer, a skater, a runner, an Instagrammer, you know, and so on, a sneaker nerd. Yeah. So it's taking it a bit further, isn't it? Yeah. So, you know, so Nike have a bunch of subbrands. And so, mm. you know, athleticism in golf mm. versus athleticism in like, hardcore yeah. marathon running yeah. are really different. But at the end of the day, it all comes back to, to one singular brand. I'm okay, sure. so the other part here before we go into your tips uh, and, and the Bunnings question is, is um, you, talk, you say here that um, probably time for people to reassess who is my customer now and who could be but mm. isn't and why. So marketing isn't just about this group of people I call my customers. Yeah, it's I, I think because of how much data we can collect on customers through yep. social media and, and loyalty programs and all of this, it's very common now to focus on who our current buyers are mm -hmm. and, and let's just speak to those. But brands yeah. grow, yeah. The, only, the, the, the best way brands grow is by bringing new mm. and fresh buyers into the brand. Mm. And so I think periodically brands need to reassess themselves and look at themselves mm. and say, yes, this is who we're speaking to now, but who aren't we and why and, mm. and how do we, and how do we, yeah. how do we communicate and bring other buyers? You know, yeah. we did um, a recent rebrand mm -hmm. a couple of years ago now on Newcastle Writers Festival. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, you've met Rosemary. She's yes. amazing, and she's Rosemary great. And she, but she yeah. had, she came to us with a really clear brief that she was, you know, she understood who her current mm -hmm. um, patrons were and the mm -hmm. people currently coming to the festival, and she understood that wasn't representative of everyone who reads a book. Mm. And so, how do we bring in a, a younger mm. audience? Mm. How do we bring in more men mm. to it? Mm. Um, and a lot of that's through the pr amazing programming work that she did, but also mm. in how we looked at the brand and, and, mm. and changing how that mm. presents itself. So okay. that's, a, for me, never lose focus on the fact that your current buyers aren't the only people who could be buying from you. Okay, another part of, of well, the next question before we get onto your five tips is, is this one. This is this whole notion of everything is, you and I spoke about this a little while ago. Yeah. Everything has changed, but nothing has changed. And, and, you know, this, this whole situation, and, and this is where we spoke about Bunnings and Victor instead of Massport and, and so on, and, you know, supermarket screens, will it change what part of people buy? Or yeah, So I tell me more about this before we get on to your it's, tips. It's easy to, to get carried away. And, and again, I, like, I want to go back to sort of my opening salvo about mm. talking about this particular point in time in the cycle of, of mm. COVID in New South Wales. Mm. Four months ago, different, if we go into a second lockdown, it's probably different. But mm. what what I think we've found is, is you know, there's a lot of talk about the new normal or what's normal or coming, going, will we ever go back to normal and those mm -hmm. sorts of things. And I think a lot of stuff has, has changed and will change, but people by and large are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, one global event isn't going to undo a couple of hundred thousand years of evolution mm -hmm. and, and things like that. Yeah. An example I can't, it's a bit of a weird example, mm. but I like to use, like, I don't know if you've seen The Walking Dead. Yep, the zombies, yep. So Walking Dead, it's like up to 10 seasons now. Mm -hmm. And you think, like, 90 minutes of a zombie movie, mm. I'm mm. about at max capacity yep. zombies. Yep. How do you do 10 seasons of that? And mm. what was really interesting is, yep. when, you, when you watch the first seasons, mm. The zombies are terrifying mm -hmm. and they are everywhere and they are mm -hmm. popping out mm -hmm. all over the place and they're, they're difficult to deal with, mm -hmm. they're frightening, they're, they have the upper hand. Yeah. It's really interesting in the later seasons mm -hmm. as the story moves on, mm -hmm. 
the zombies just become a bit of an annoyance. Mm -hmm. And the way people deal with them, it's almost blasé. They're like, oh, here's some zombies. Boop. Knock them on the head and they're gone. And I know that's a weird example and it's fiction and all those sorts of things. But you really do see that in the way that people people are resilient. You know, humans, we're amazingly resilient people. And we can adapt really quickly to to at least accommodate changes, you know. And, And so I think COVID... Yeah, it's 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 a horrible disease, and mm. you know I, I don't want to make light of, of the impact it's had on mm. so many people and so many families. Yeah. But I, I just you know again looking optimistically, mm. I think we're all doing a really good job mm. of of coping with it and dealing okay. with it. And you know, like I said, you know we'll yeah. we'll we've put screens up in in Woolies. Yeah, I don't know if they'll ever go away. Yeah. Has it changed the brand of butter that anyone's bought? No. And, and we all had to line up out the front of Bunnings. And like yeah. you said, yeah. lining up out the front of Bunnings changed how I got in and out of Bunnings, but it didn't change whether I wanted Which a Victor or a Massport. I'm getting a, a, some signal on our timing. Yep. What, what, we've got your five tips and yeah, they're sure. brilliant. We're gonna sh- I, what I'd like to do though is suggest that we share those yeah. um, uh, online. And um, I guess I'm, I'm just gonna use your summarizing statement yeah, sure. here and then we'll, we'll do some thank yous. But you, you say, you know, COVID or bushfires or military coups may change how people physically get access to your product, but it really change how or why they choose one brand over another when they look to buy a car or get taxes done or go out for a meal. For some categories, maybe, for most people, probably not. So yeah, and, and again, I, I don't want that to make me sound sort of, no. sort of callous. That oh, COVID's no. no big deal. It's a huge deal. But yeah. from those those decisions in how we choose yeah. the products and services, yeah. those motivations that have driven those choices for years yeah. are, are, are the same. We just yeah. have to go about it slightly differently. All right. Thank you so much for your no, time. Thanks for the preparation, the insights, the sort of secret knowledge that you've given us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we, we certainly will, if anyone would like to contact you, we'll have them contact us and we can pass your details on. We'd like to once again acknowledge and, and recommend the New South Wales Government's Business Connect program. You can get up to 60 hours of one-on-one business support with one of the providers across the state. Uh, independent providers who give you a really good insight to starting, growing or adapting your business. If you are interested in that, it's subsidised by the New South Wales Government. Uh, you can call 1300 134 or email connect at treasury.nsw.gov.au uh, or you can simply Google Business Connect and that will quickly find your nearest provider. But that's everything for now. Jared. thanks once again and we'll share all of the tips that you've given us which are really worthwhile. Yeah, sure. Anything you'd like to say to wrap up? No, just, you know, make some noise. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. Do you know someone we should talk to? Do you have an idea for a topic we should cover? Or would you like to be featured on an upcoming show? Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with podcast as the subject line to info at businesscentre.com.au.